0: Welcome to Ariel Talk Time, hosted by business intuitive, entrepreneur, and founder of Ariel, Victoria Lynn Weston. Listen to her thought-provoking interviews with inspiring leaders, creators, and intuitive thinkers who share their stories and lifestyle tips to enhance your way of living. And we're inviting you to join our conversation. If you like this interview, please post a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Hello, everyone. It's Victoria. How are you today? You know, we all have our products we all have our services but people come to me all the time when I do intuitive consulting and they'll say you know how can I how can I compete anymore I mean everybody does the Google Ads they do Facebook you know posts or whatever and God only knows who sees those things anyway and I always tell people voice and they'll say what I'll say voice platforms the future is here it's all about hands-free voice activated data-driven content. You don't have to be tethered to your desktop anymore. You don't have to have a cramped neck querying content and people in your smartphone. It's all about Amazon Alexa. Remember like 2000 when everybody was sort of rushing to get a website on the, on the internet? And there were some diehards that said, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to go on the internet. I don't want to do that. Lord, knows what will happen. Well, most of those companies went, bye-bye. The voice platforms like Amazon Alexa. Of course, there's Google Home, but they're more for utilities and turning on the lights and doing more of that stuff. With Amazon Alexa, it is so exciting because you can take your content, and make it so interactive and engaging unlike a website and you can stream audio you can stream video you can send text messages to your to your users and that text message may even have a web link that drives users back to your website you know we've produced a variety of Amazon Alexa skills so we have one for a New York City chef and we, you know, we, we told her, we said, hey, you don't want the same content that's on your website, right? Otherwise, you're just duplicating your website. So we try to encourage her as well as other companies, brands that, A, you want something different for your Amazon Alexa. So, but you always want to drive people back to your website. And then from your website, you want to drive people to Amazon Alexa, it's another way too that you can use Amazon Alexa and you can feature like exclusive content like maybe some podcasts maybe some other types of you know tips and and recipes and have that exclusive and have people pay you know a subscription fee for that and right now Amazon you know has a variety of, of exclusive content with other you know Alexa skills and they range from $1.99 to ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine you know a month so If you're looking for a new way to engage your audience, expand your brand, gain some recognition, and maybe create a revenue stream, think about the voice platform as an Amazon Alexa. Check out Studio Carlton. That's my company that I founded. We produce and develop Amazon Alexa skills for brands, professionals, and business owners that want to stay ahead of the competition and offer their users something far more rich and engaging than a static website visit StudioCarlton.com. Next, let's talk about my guest, Nana Ava. One of the reasons I was really intrigued with her is that she basically grew up on a refugee camp. And I had never really talked to anybody that had grew up on a refugee camp and actually had been chosen to become to the United States. And so she came to the United States After, you know, numerous interviews, because she said when you're over there, you know, people, everybody's interviewed. You say the same thing over and over and over. But she was intuitive enough and creative enough, and she had a vision. And I really liked her vision, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Nana Abba is traditionally known as a poet, writer, and the author of the well-anticipated fictional book, Stolen Heritage, which will be published this September. She's also the creator of Quality Chat, a blog offering inspiration, hope, mentorship, and motivational coaching to young people all over the world. And as the first and only female author in her tribe, she uses writing to capture the beauty and power of her culture and by creating stories that not only teach others of the African heritage, but also promote courage and empowerment. She currently lives in North Virginia and is a program analyst for a Fortune 500 company. Let's go connect with Nana and find our inspiration of the day. Miss Nada, it's a pleasure to have you here. And um, I love to talk to people because everybody has a story, but not everybody has a story quite like yours. And it's interesting because prior to us um, connecting, I always do my little prep work. And, and then I found this wonderful story that you had at the age of 13 living in a refugee camp and facing a tremendous amount of adversities. You went for an interview and uh, to basically be able to leave the refugee camp. And then you told the interviewee, and I want the opportunity to change the world. And that's a pretty powerful statement for anybody at 13, much less anybody, anybody living in a refugee camp and, you know, another country. So I kind of want you to go back to that child for a second and sort of share with me what it felt like. What were you going, what was going through your mind living in a refugee camp and why what was the passion behind this interview and why you were so determined to do what you could to change, to make a difference, basically?
1: Right. Um, so uh, what I want people to understand, first of all, is like no, no refugee camp is the same. Um, a lot of times people hear refugee camp and they instantly get the idea of what they've seen in the movies that, you know, the conception of it. I'm not saying that any refugee camp is a pleasure to live in because that's not the case. Um, so during that time, uh, my family were in the refugee program to get uh, asylum to basically any country that was willing to take us in. And so part of that process was going through a series of interview and basically sharing your story, um, which was really my mom's, you know, responsibility at that time because we were young. Um, so basically telling your story over and over again. And you know, their job is to present it to the the countries that are open to taking in refugees and basically sharing your story with them and seeing what resonates. And so part of that process is that we would go to interviews. Where they will interview us on our dreams and aspiration. Of course, nobody's gonna, you know, say, "Oh, I want to <laughs> uh, be a thief when I grow up," or nobody's gonna say anything bad. So, most of the time, when we were, you know, kind of going through these interviews with our mom, um, to make sure her her job was to really make sure that we were expressing how we felt honestly about the state. Of our livelihood and what we would do with that opportunity. And I remember when I was speaking with my siblings, we were basically sharing amongst ourselves um, what we wanted to do um, when once we received that opportunity. So we talked about being lawyers, engineers, and, and doctors. And we had, I had actually decided that I was going to be a doctor once I came to the States. But I think that during that interview, at that point, I was so tired of having to share what we're going through and having to share our story over and over again. And so when he asked me that, I didn't go with what I wanted to, I had previously thought I would say. It just kind of came out, and I was just really like, I honestly just want an opportunity to change the world and when i said i don't want to die here it was more so coming out of a place where i've seen uh, my peers die of poverty sickness um you know famine it, it anything at that point was you know liable to kill someone and so when i said that i didn't want to die here i just really meant that i wanted the chance so badly to escape because I really believe that if I didn't get that opportunity to leave, I wouldn't make it, um, whether it's regarding being alive physically or being able to execute the things that I wanted to do. Although during that time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at 13, but I just knew that there was something that I wanted to do that would impact someone or would impact a nation whether it's, you know, just domestically in the States or internationally across the world. So that's kind of where that comment came from. It came from a place out of exhaustion and just being desperate to escape what my life was at that moment. Before we continue
0: on with my guest, we're going to be talking a little bit about Amazon Alexa. And since my guests have their own books to promote, I want to be able to share with them and you the importance and brilliance behind Amazon Alexa skills. My company, Studio Carlton, produces custom Amazon Alexa skills so you can feature your products and services, and particularly your book, on an Amazon Alexa skill. The future is here with voice. And it's all about hands-free, voice-activated, data-driven content. Users can activate an Alexa skill using their Alexa app and their smartphone. Also using Amazon Echo Dot and Echo Show and Fire TV. It's all exciting and it's extremely very engaging. So let's talk about how you can promote your book on an Amazon Alexa skill. First, we talk with you about the book and about what your goal is, and then we go through and we create excerpts of the book and have you audio record those excerpts. We can sit with you or you can audio record on your own. We then take those audio excerpts from your book, typically under 90 seconds and right about anywhere between 30 and 60 seconds long. We then produce a custom introduction and also an outro. And in the outro, we have a call to action. And what's the call to action? To buy your book. And we do this by saying, if you'd like to order so-and-so's book, simply say, Alexa, order so-and-so's book. And then what Amazon does is they put that book in the customer's shopping cart. And then when the customer, all they have to do when they log into Amazon is basically go to and then basically check out and they purchase the book. Another way we handle a call to action, which I think is super exciting because it it allows personal engagement with you and your audience from an Amazon Alexa skill. We also say, would you like Alexa to send you a web link via text message to your mobile device? And when a user says yes, they instantly receive a text message with a web link and that web link goes straight to your web page or your book promotion page, like an Amazon, and the user can click on it and they can easily purchase that book that way. Or you can also just have a web link that drives users back to your website. Think about it in the year 2000 and thereabouts when websites were just, you know, beaming with popularity. And those users, but didn't sort of step up and want to use a website, well, today they're not in business. And so you can think in terms of, We're kind of the wild, wild west, you know, implementing, you know, voice skills, voice platforms, if that's Amazon Alexa or Google Home or even Siri. But Amazon Alexa is way at the helm with their Alexa skills and ability to engage their audience. It's particularly useful if you have products and services that you want to promote that are already featured on Amazon.com. For instance, in addition to books, we also produce a really exciting skill on pure avocado oil. It's called Bellavado. So you can always say, Alexa, open Bellavado, and you can learn all about olive oil. And excuse me. You can learn all about avocado oil. And the company that is based in San Diego, they produce pure avocado oil. And users can ask questions. Now, I digress. So When you go back to the book, you're promoting, number one, audio excerpts. But you can also have a Q&A. Suppose you have a book that isn't fiction. And maybe that person like, it's about, let's say it's about uh, avocado oil. And that person, that user can actually say, well, where is it produced? And I can ask Alexa that. And then Alexa will give them an answer. And at the same token, at the end of that answer, Alexa will send a user a web link to their mobile device. So you can also set up an Alexa skill to have a user ask Alexa certain questions. If you've got a book that you're trying to promote, you really need to consider having an Amazon Alexa to feature your book using excerpts, allowing a Q&A where a user can ask Alexa questions about the book, whether that's about the author, and maybe that author is a psychologist, or maybe that author is a teacher, or maybe that author is a life coach. So you can incorporate all those services while you're promoting and educating your audience, entertaining your audience as well, about the book and. And keeping them engaged with text messages going to their mobile device, as well as driving users back to your website. So it's all exciting. When you're ready to have your own custom Alexa skill to promote your book or product services, I guide you to go to StudioCarlton.com. We have several case studies there. You can see how we work with each client uniquely, because everybody has a different voice and a different purpose and a different goal. So it's not a one-shot box that keeps everybody happy. And now let's go back to our guests. And then when you were approved, I guess to come to the United States, how did you feel? What was your first reaction? I mean, emotionally. <laughs>
1: um, you know, when you're back there and you hear you're going to the States, it's almost like it's Christmas. I was very excited. I had all these grand ideas of what America would be, all the opportunities that I would get, that I knew I wouldn't get back then. Um, I think my mom, felt relieved um i think a lot of the a lot of the fighting she did it wasn't really for herself it was more for us and so above everything else i just saw more of a side of relief from her but for me it was just kind of like it was more of like a energy booster like oh my god yay you know god heard my prayers and i think he's going to make it happen and so i'm excited i'm ready to go to america i'm ready to you know, be this person that deep inside I felt like I I could be. So that's what that was like for me, honestly. So what was the
0: transition like? I mean, did you get to just pack up and then you got an airplane and then you land in, in a city in, in the United States? I mean, what happened from there?
1: Yeah. Um, so basically that morning we got up very early. We took the I guess you guys call it taxi here. We took a taxi we went to Accra and from Accra we stayed in the refugee embassy place I'm not sure the technical name for it but that's kind of where all the refugees that were approved you know for that phase were. so we sat there for a couple of hours and then we got on the plane and I think our first stop was in Frankfurt Um, we stayed there for a day and then I think that was our first my family and I's first exposure to a country outside of Ghana. Um, so when we get there, we started talking, thinking, is this what America looks like? We actually thought that was America when we got to Frankfurt. Oh, but wow. We quickly found out that it wasn't the case. Um, and so we stayed there for a day. And then we got here, which was in Pennsylvania. And we went to the refugee um program office and from there they took us to the house that we would be living in um they set up my mom basically everything that she would need to be able to take care of us uh we didn't get into school right away i we got here in april so we we weren't in school immediately i think it took the following semester for my mom to be able to get us situated with school and everything so
0: it was pretty sudden honestly Oh, I can imagine, because then you go from like living in a refugee camp, which I imagine it wasn't like living at, at a hotel, it was it has, its oh, own, no. it has its own set of, you know, many, many, many challenges. So now you're here, and I could probably talk all day long, you know, on what it was like and what it really felt like when it came over here, but I want to get to where you're at today. So today you're, you know, you've got, you're on your way to changing and helping people the best that you can. You've got a book that's coming out this summer. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. It's called Stolen Heritage. Now, does that have anything to do with the refugee camp and on the heritage? Or do you feel like that maybe when you came to the US some of your heritage got stolen?
1: That's actually interesting that you say that because I get a lot of people that associate the title of that book with uh, my story. No, so Stolen Heritage doesn't necessarily have to do with um, my personal background growing up in Ghana. But the setting of the book is in Ghana. It's partly in Ghana and partly in the state. Um, the culture of the book has a lot to do with my culture. Um, I I tell people all the time I can only write stories that I can relate to or that I've experienced. And so, basically, Stolen Heritage is about a young woman who, um, because of a prophecy, was chased out of her birth country. Um, she fled to the United States. Made a life for herself um she had no family member n- not a single soul i'm um, here and so she she made her life for herself and you know fast forward into the the future her mom is now requesting that she returns home uh, mind you she left home when she was 13 which ironically happened to be the same age <laughs> that i left you know my home and so i kind of identify with her a lot on how lost she must have felt and how confused things were for her. Um, and so upon her return home, um, a lot of things happens that kind of really pushes her into choosing between her birth country and the country that adopted her. Um, the love that she has for her adopted country, I think is a love that is irreplaceable, um, because when you're in that state, when you're desperate, as I have been, um, whether I knew the, the depth of how serious it was, um, is very traumatic when you really feel like you have nowhere to go. And so you can't really replace that love when someone takes you in and says, you know what, you're safe here, you can stay here. Um, and so that love that she has for adoptive country, kind of she battles with that way, her birth country, which is also a different kind of love because this is somewhere she was born. This is the culture that she knows. This is a culture that identifies her as a person. And so, you know, we live in this, in this times where women are being told to be one thing. It's almost like you can't be a combination of multiple things. Either you want to be a writer or you want to be a model. Either you want to be a musician or you want to be a teacher it's almost like you're not allowed to be to identify with multiple things and so what stolen heritage does is really just shine a light on the flexibility that women have on being whoever they want to be and that their identity is not defined by one single thing they are a multitude of different things so um i don't want to give too much <laughs> Of this no, story no, it sounds today. exciting. So you're going to have this book out, Stolen Heritage, I guess, sometime this summer, like what, maybe July, August? Um, no, so it's actually coming out in September. Um, I'm actually excited for it. I, I'm graduating in December, um, and so I'm kind of trying to balance being working, being in school, and trying to finish publishing the book. So it will actually be out in September um, right before, you know, the fall, fall that's semester. A good time. It's
0: a good time for people to reflect on that. Now you also do like life coaching to some degree. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I,
0: so I love that. You know, everybody today is either a psychic or a life coach, you know? So I always like to find out what makes you a better life coach than, you know, somebody in California.
1: Tell me. Okay. So first of all, I want to say this, um, not every life coach can coach everyone. I don't care what anyone says. That's not true. Just because you're a life coach, it doesn't mean that you are, you have the experience to coach every single person that you encounter. I would say that I life coach basically women. Um, I don't want to just single out just women, but that's what I know. I know women because I am one. Um, I think that with with my experience and my outlook towards life, knowing where I've been, where I could have been still to where I am and the steps that I had to take um, specific, specifically to get out of that point A to point B, I think all those experiences that I went through and I allowed myself to absorb those lessons um, that I went through, I think that's what set me apart. And also I think that sometimes um, with people my age, they're more receptive to hearing things from their peers. Um, I know I had to go to therapy at some point. um, And so I I found out that I was more receptive to conversations or opinions or advice or coaching of any sort when people kind of identify with my background um, whether it was ethnically or whether it was just my gender or places that I've been or things that I've been through, I felt like I was more receptive to that. So I think that people my age specifically, those are the kind of people that my coaching um, is really geared towards because we're very stubborn, but we're also in a space where if we hear from a peer we're more likely to, you know, to be a little bit more receptive and kind of have an open-minded perspective on the things that they tell us. So um, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody, but I do think that no one else in this world has my experience. And so they can't really touch the group of people that I can touch.
0: I agree, and it's good that you're able to recognize that. And I don't think, and you know, I'll step back too. I don't think most life coaches think they can, you know, cater to everybody. I think it's always about, you know, connecting with that person and you have to connect on an intuitive level. I mean, there's no other way to define that. And then of course you, you connect with them there. And in your case, you have such a vast background that's so rich that again, nobody can understand and and you being very sympathetic and empathetic with being able to help, as you say, your own peers. I also want to say that you have, you know, some really exciting things on your blog. So I recommend people going to your website, nanaaba.net, and then going to the blog. One of the things I want to touch on, I'm sure these are some of the areas you probably talk about in your, in your, in life coaching sessions And I think, you know, I also want to say that people today in my 20s and 30s, and that life coach to me is much more like a mentor. And I feel like you can go it alone for so long. And after that, you really, you really need to. Um, be able to have somebody that you can bounce ideas off with somebody that can sort of highlight your strengths, help you encourage you to work through your weaknesses in that. But you have this cool thing on on here about is the 10 indicators that tell us we're living our life purpose. And everybody goes through life, whether you're 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, no matter how old you are, and some people probably in their 70s don't even know if they've, if they've made their life purpose. So what are the, give me five of your 10 indicators of your living, your life purpose.
1: Um, I think for starters, when you start to feel more at peace with yourself, you are. that's an indicator that you are gearing towards the right path. Um, a lot of times people feel uneasy, um, very restless when you you are in a place in your life where you know that's not where you're supposed to be and this could be in a relationship um there's in a friendship at a job when there is a constant need of being on edge you're not and so when that feeling of restfulness comes towards you um like i i said in a relationship when you're in a relationship and you're just at peace with yourself when you're in a job where peace with yourself um I don't know if you're spiritual but for me spiritually I know that I'm in my purpose when I'm easy you know it's easy for me to communicate with God it's easy for me to communicate with other people so that's that's a number one sign of indication that you're in your purpose when you're at peace with yourself and you know you're not really nothing is really keeping you up (laughs) to be specific um, another way it, I would say you're in your purpose when things start aligning in a in an intentional way when you're not intentionally doing it. Um, for example, say if you're you're looking for someone who does photography, and then you know you're like, wow, how do I find someone who does photography? And then you meet someone, and then it just so happens to be a photographer. It just kind of seems like every little decisions that you make kind of, you know, connects into a bigger picture that's part of your purpose. That's also an indication that you're in your life's purpose. Um, another indication that you're in your life purpose would be when um, you know that this is something that's for you you don't have, there's not a lot of doubts. You know, I think sometimes doubt is good. Sometimes it's okay to question yourself, but when you're constantly questioning yourself about what you're doing, the choices you're making, the places you're going, um, I think that that's an indication that it's probably not for you. And so when there's no doubt in, in anything that you're doing, when you're just kind of like flowing and you're sure about everything um and it's just kind of going smoothly i also think that's an indicator that your purpose spiritually um if you start being in tune more spiritually with yourself and you just kind of communicate with god or whatever your religious background may be um i think it kind of gives you a sense of clarity on you know the path that you're in
0: i think that a lot of times so one of the highlights that you have here is A, you're not afraid of failure or B, you no longer need acceptance or validation from people like the opinions of society or perhaps even coworkers at that point. However, I can, I can agree with that to some extent, but you know, if you're working in in a corporate world and and maybe you have got a great position and you're really confident and everything's there, all of a sudden, you know, changes happen in the corporate world through no fault of your own. And you find yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been kicked to the curb. And so I guess life purpose in a way doesn't mean you take one job and once you're happy there, you know, content and all that, that that's the end of your life purpose. I think to me, life purpose is ever evolving. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's, it's crazy that you mentioned corporate world because I so I used to be in the Navy. Um, oh, you I did? was in the military for six years. It was a great experience. Um, I, I don't regret it, but I definitely would not go back. <laughs> To kind of go with what you're saying, things change almost every day when I when I was in the Navy. And I'm sure as it still does now. The chain of command is forever changing. Rules are forever changing. And so I think the life purpose, as you said, is evolving, being um, adaptable and being flexible to your environment. Because you can't say that, well, my life purpose is to be a, a level grade let's say a second level grade analyst, but I'm comfortable with that because that's my life purpose. And so I'm not going to try to be uh, level three or level four or level five. Do you get what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's always moving. And so that's kind of, you know, it kind of goes back to knowing who you are. Um, and I think in one of my articles, I talk about, you know, knowing who you are as a person. And so it kind of goes with that. When you know who you are, you understand that life purpose isn't a stationary thing it's a continuous journey. It's every day your life purpose can be different. Um, If I wake up today and my life purpose is to do community service, then that's what it is for that day. And then the next day, it could be different. It's not a a place of, of station where you stay there and everything is just great all the time. So I agree with you.
0: Right. I guess for life purpose, though, a lot of people trying to figure out, you know, if they can do something more or they say they find themselves turning 40 or 50 and maybe they had a successful career. Maybe they, maybe they had a bumpy ride and they're still trying to figure out what is my, what is my life? What am I doing here? Where am I going kind of thing? And how would you help somebody from being a life coach perspective, guide somebody there?
1: I think for me, a life purpose isn't always in your in a job, although it could be. Um, for example, I would consider being a life coach um, a life purpose because my purpose is to mentor people and kind of give them a different sp- perspective and outlook on things. So it can be a job, but when you say, uh, "Well, I used to work as a manager at you know X Y Z company, and now I don't work there anymore." I don't really consider that a life purpose. I think anything can be a life purpose, if it brings you the joy of satisfaction and and you're able to impact other people. The purpose of you is to impact other people one way or another, and so anything that can you know get you to reach that goal, I think it can be considered as a life purpose. You know, um, a lot of times we feel stagnant when we try to shift from A to B and, you know, we don't really have a clear direction on where to go. But I, I also think that most of that is because we see how other people are moving from A to B and we think that that's the way we should move. And what people fail to understand is that no two people have the same journey. And so I might be impactful being a life coach or I might be more impactful being an author. There is no, You can't copy someone else's path and try to paste it on your path and and think that it will work. So you just kind of have to really dig deep within yourself and figure out what brings you joy. What do you enjoy doing that gives you peace? And and, and in that way, because when you're at peace it's easy to impact people. Uh, Restless people can't really give a lot of it, can't really impact much when you're unhappy you can't you're not really impacting anyone but yourself and so it start first with you know your self-happiness it start first with finding your identity and what brings you the happiness that require and then from then on you build from that and you know you you gear towards the the purpose of impacting other people. Life
0: purpose, I think, is is a is is a tree and it's a tree with a variety of branches on that. So given that you're your life coach and that, how does your own intuition come in when you when you consult with a client? Do you tune into them and say, here's where they're going? Or do you ask them where they're at today and where do they see themselves? And then sort of navigate from there. How do you approach that?
1: Most of the people that I mentor are actually friends of mine or friends of friends. <laughs> and so um it's never very formal, like, okay, sit down in my office, let's do X, Y, and Z. But yeah, for the most part, you know, I think in order to really advise anyone on anything, you kind of have to get a background of them. You kind of have to have that conversation with them. Where are they are now? And where are they trying to be? What have they been through? Because when you, when you figure out, you know, these three things, where they are now, what they've been through, and where they're going it helps you place your, yourself in their perspective. And it also help you understand why they think the way they do. Once you understand how someone thinks, it's very easy to mentor them. It's very easy to coach them. And um, I think that above all, people want to be understood. You can't really mentor anyone you don't understand. Um, and so it's very important as a mentor to you know, see things from, from the person's perspective. Everybody has a different journey. And so I don't expect everyone to have the same story as me and being empathetic to them and understanding where they're coming from. It helps me get in their head. And in that way, I'm really able to understand their thought process and kind of navigate them on, you know, how they need to start thinking and how they need to start approaching things. Because you can't really make people do things just because you're telling them, but when they see that you understand where they're coming from, and they see that you're taking a, a, an opportunity to get to learn them, it makes them very receptive of what you're saying, and it makes your job as a mentor very easy. So do you think people have a destiny? I think so, to an extent. I think some people have a destiny. I don't think everyone has a destiny to be something, if that makes sense.
0: No, I, I would disagree with that, because I think everybody has a destiny, even if it's just, you know, even, and I shouldn't say justice, but being a mom and, and a caregiver, like a lot of our moms who are, um, at that time but yeah i think everybody has a has a purpose has that life purpose and that life purpose eventually equates into fulfilling your destiny but i would agree with the sense that it isn't just a one size fits all one gig yeah. kind of destiny it's it's this it's that and and you're saying you know that it's it's not and in one sense, you're probably saying, well, free will comes into it. And and we all have free will to what we have, what we can change around that. Um, I always de- define destiny like we're all born with a destiny. We're born, I equate it to like a table of contents from a book. And in yes. there, it may be your destiny to become an eye doctor, for instance, but it was your free will to pursue and become an ophthalmologist with one of the largest, you know, medical facilities in the United States. So that's how free will, I think, comes in, that you have a destiny for something, but you can make it bigger and achieve and have that achievement thing, or you could make it less, lesser than that. You could be cleaning eyeglasses (laughs) somewhere.
1: Yeah. When you, when you put it like that, I think, yeah, it does absolutely make sense. Um, you know, yeah, free will definitely plays a very large part in that because, um, you know, I, I think my destiny is to write, um, impact people through writing. Um, I, I never once, if you asked me 10 years ago or six years ago, would I be a mentor or a life coach? I would be, I would probably say no. But you know, through the journey of being an author, here I am <laughs> mentoring. And so I a hundred percent agree on the free will thing. If you if you're able to realize what your your destiny is, I think and, and you choose to follow it, um, I think that yeah, you do have the free will and the ability to expand it past what its original intention was meant to be or it could not be it all really depends on you and it's almost scary honestly <laughs> yeah well anyway
0: it's been a pleasure to talk with you today nana and i encourage everybody to sort of explore a little bit about you and and your own sort of personal journey where you came from i think is is very rich and what you're doing to help sort of change everybody else so you came here and you're doing what you can to elevate people to become all they can be at this life as well. So you're very gifted with being able to do that and being able to give back. So go to Nana, N-A-N-A Aba, A-B-A, dot net. Check out Nana. And if you're up for a little mentoring yourself and who can't use a little bit today, because again, you can't do it on your own. Um, you, might, you might want to talk with her, even if it's just, you know, one time or a series of sessions, I'm sure that you will be much richer as a result of that as well. So with that said, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you, and I hope our paths will cross again soon.
1: Absolutely, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you absolutely so much for sitting with me. Definitely enjoyed our conversation and um, definitely appreciate and respect all of the questions that you have for me.
0: Tune in next time, as there's always something new to learn on Ariel Talk Time. If you're a professional lifestyle consultant looking to expand your brand, gain more recognition, or to be featured with an exceptional group of inspiring professionals, join Ariel. Visit Ariel.com.